It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 424. Yeah, 424 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, November 26th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams. We got Locked On Fantasy, both NFL and NBA. Uh, two NFL shows, actually. They are 24-7, and Experts is the two Locked On NFL Fantasy shows. We've got Locked On NBA Daily. We've got Locked On NFL Daily. It's fantastic. There's just so much content for you to put in your ears and for you to soak up on your favorite teams. It's the local angle, your team, every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you find a show on the network that you like, please go to the iTunes page, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or a review. It's deeply, deeply appreciated and it's very, very helpful when it comes to rankings and algorithms and making us more visible and collecting more listeners and all that good stuff. So, Thank you in advance for taking the time. We are at 169 reviews, 100 and nice reviews. So thank you to everyone who has helped contribute to that wonderful number. And uh, let's keep on building that up to like 690 reviews, perhaps. That'd be that'd be fun. That'd be cool. That'd be nice. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll uh, move on from the terrible intro. Now, on today's show, I was going to do a podcast breaking down the game against the Heat, but like, I don't know, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, and Kyle Lowry are good at basketball? That's kind of all I got for you. I mean... I didn't get to watch this game totally in depth because I am hosting radio in Hamilton all week, and uh, it turns out people in Hamilton really like the CFL, so I had to watch the Grey Cup more than I watched the Raptors game sort of in depth. I watched it sort of while I was cooking dinner and stuff like that, but just didn't get to watch it and break it down sort of nitty-gritty the way I normally would, but it's like the Raptors are better than the Heat. The Heat were without Goran Dragic, and Hassan Whiteside is terrible, and that's the difference, right? The Raptors are, are just good, and they, they beat the Heat. I'm not shocked. I called the win beforehand, so I'm honestly more interested in what's coming up for the Raptors. They have a very interesting game on Tuesday night against the Memphis Grizzlies, and for today's podcast, it's myself and it's Mark King, the host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, the brand new host of Locked On Grizzlies. Raptors take on the Grizz tomorrow, of course, and uh, so Mark and I chatted and uh, in- indoctrinated him into this world of Locked On crossover podcasts. This is his very first one, uh, and we uh, dove into the Raptors-Grizzlies matchup, talked about Jaron Jackson Jr., talked about J.B. Bickerstaff and just sort of how the Grizzlies are doing it. They're 12-7 and seven, despite having a roster of, like, weird-ass guys who have, like, either been playing in China, if you're Marshawn Brooks, or are kind of second-round scrap-heap dudes, or, you know, Kyle Anderson. Like, it's a weird-ass roster, okay? And it's weird that they're 12-7, and seven, but they've been doing it, and they've been doing it with defense. We talked about how the defense has been really good for the Grizzlies. Also talked about just some, like, Raptors-Warriors matchup-y stuff, and, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of sensation of rooting for a team as good as the Raptors with a guy like Kawhi. Um, it was a good conversation with myself and Mark, so I hope you enjoy this one. 
just a heads up, the audio quality is a little bit tricky because uh, Mark was in his car, my internet was being a real bastard, and we had a couple drops during our conversation, and there's a couple times where his car background noise is a little bit loud. It should be totally fine and listenable, just wanted to give you a heads up, there's a little bit of weirdness with the audio, so apologies if that uh, bothers you, I, I will try to not make that the case again. Um, so I'll get to the conversation now with myself and Mark King. First of all, though, reminder that tomorrow, Tuesday, I am hosting a live podcast from Odds bar in Hamilton 164 James Street South very excited about this it's going to be a lot of fun we got special guests uh, Vivek Jacob and Kelsey O'Brien uh, Vivek of course from this podcast very frequently Kelsey's been on this podcast as well she also writes some excellent stuff for Raptors HQ and we are going to give the Raptors grades for the first half of the season and then uh, do a little Q&A as well before the game starts against the Grizzlies on Tuesday night so uh, if, come on out if you're in Toronto or Hamilton if you're in Toronto it's very easy to get to you just take the express bus from Union and it goes right to a, a bus terminal that's like a five-step walk from the bar so you can there's no excuse for you not to come the food's fantastic I mean, we might give away some nachos or something I'm not exactly sure don't hold me to that but we might do that at some point it's gonna be a fun time so odds bar 164 James Street South in Hamilton come on out if you're in the Hamilton area or Toronto if you want to take a bus it's gonna be a lot of fun so hopefully we see you there tomorrow and we'll get to the conversation now with myself and Mark King of Locked On Grizzlies to tee up that game the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, this is Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors, and I'm with Mark King, the brand new host of Locked On Grizzlies. Mark, how's it going, man? Good, man. I, I, I appreciate you uh, listening, taking the time out and talk some grit with me. Talk yeah. to Grizz Raptors, anyway. Yeah, Grizzlies-Raptors take on, uh, it's the former Vancouver-Naismith Cup matchup, of course, Raptors-Grizzlies. Um, there's no more Naismith Cup, unfortunately, but this is uh, it's always a fun matchup. I always like watching the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have kind of been, to me, like the Western version of the Raptors for a long time. Uh, maybe not with Kawhi Leonard on them, but like previous versions with DeMar and Kyle, I've always kind of looked at the Grizzlies as like kind of the Western Conference doppelganger in that they are the first really good team in franchise history, like this era of the team, and they're pretty beloved guys, maybe not quite superstar, like title-winning level players, but it's always kind of been a really enjoyable and hardworking and fun team to watch, and, you know, they, they make it to a conference final each once, and they can't really get past that. There are questions every year about, oh, you're going to bring this team back and keep it together, but it always kind of seems to, you know, work out, and then they win a bunch of games normally. Although the Grizzlies kind of had themselves... A strange year last year where everyone got hurt and they lost all of the games and ended up getting Jared Jackson Jr. in the in the draft fourth overall. And now they're twelve and seven and have kind of bounced back a little bit. So I guess my first question for you, Mark, to start this thing off is like, how have they done it? Why are they twelve and seven now? I thought this team was gonna kind of be one of like the the kings and the sons at the bottom of the Western Conference. Defense. That's how I mean defensively that's one thing you can count on the Grizzlies to do literally every night mm-hmm. is to play a good defense. Now, their offense is a question mark, uh, and that's something they're going to have to fix, but their defense is, is a very consistent thing about this team. They're, you know, they float around second, third, fourth in defensive rating uh, in the NBA. So it's really one of a team that 
you know, that that's something you know you can count on literally every night. Um, and they've won a lot of their games solely because of their defense. I mean, you got a lot of teams like the Bucks. They've been playing that uh, a lot of teams that are high, you know, high scoring offenses like your Raptors uh, are going to be on Tuesday night. Uh, but they've been able to slow these guys down and, and put them in the games where it's 85 and, and 90s uh, teams that are used to scoring 115. So, you know, you really you put teams like that in, in situations they've really never been in, and it really makes it hard, especially when the defense can, can clamp down so tightly sometimes and make it very difficult for teams to score. You really make it hard for teams to figure out how to score. You know, they've just never been in that situation where you don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really their their that's their, that's their main thing for the Wizards is defense. I mean they that's what they hang their hat on. Like so their offense comes and goes, but that's why this team has won so many games. So um, and and that same thing with with the Raptors. I mean you guys I think have been we're seventh tier defensive rating, like second third right now. I mean how I mean, now you have Kawhi? What what's Kawhi done for the Raptors for you guys? Yeah, Kawhi. I mean, he's he's really good. It's uh, it's kind of different having a guy. <laughs> he's good at basketball. Yeah, it's like very easy analysis with him. It's like, oh, he's just excellent at everything, and that helps the Raptors be very good. No, it's it's really different and weird because you know you have Demar Derozan in the past, and he was an excellent player for sure, and like you could definitely rely on him. He was great late in games and stuff like that. Has a lot of really clutch moments and stuff like that as well, but. Just Kawhi is a different kind of reliable, I think, when it comes to just like when he is going to be the guy, when he's coming up the, up the floor and you can kind of see it in his eyes like, oh, he wants to get his shot right here. He's just always going to do it. He, he just, he's so, he can get his shots off so easily and it becomes such a cheat code for the offense that honestly the Raptors have kind of gotten a little bit stuck in the mud at times because I think they've relied so heavily on Kawhi at times like they don't have to do that they're a very good motion offense team Kyle Lowry at the point of attack has been fantastic setting guys up and like it's just they can play an egalitarian style of offense if they want to but sometimes it's just easier to say all right Kawhi go get us a bucket and they've kind of fallen into a pattern a little bit in some games where it's like okay let's do that too often and then they kind of get into a pattern because he's still working off some rust and he's not quite at the peak efficiency that you would expect that he's going to be by the end of the season you know he's still resting the second night of back-to-backs he still hasn't really gotten into a flow just yet um so sometimes they'll get into these patterns where they'll just kind of let him take over the offense for five or six minutes at a time and you know it, it has some positive effect but at the same time there's some downside as well and I think on defense he's still kind of figuring things out too and you know the Raptors are seventh in defense right now which honestly Considering the defensive talent on the team feels a little bit of like a like a disappointment. Like this is a team with maybe one bad defensive player and a couple like average ones, and then most of their players are plus defenders. And the lineups they can throw out there, just versatility wise, are so scary. Like they can just destroy teams with their switchability and their ability to cause turnovers and create havoc and turn that defense into super duper easy offense. Whether it's Kyle Lowry or Pascal Siakam or someone else like that, kind of making their way down and getting an easy bucket out of it. So, it's, uh... Are you okay over there, Mark? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. It just, you got very loud there for a second. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Uh, but, no, just, yeah, they, they've kind of gotten into a, into a pattern, I think, where they kind of rely too much on Kawhi a little bit too much. But at the same time, it's like, it, that's why you get a superstar, is you say, you know, for this many possessions a game, you don't have to do that much work because he's that good. So that's kind of been the biggest difference is getting used to that because, they're, they're, I mean, 
They couldn't really do that with that was the reason they had to change their offense last season with DeMar DeRozan is because like he wasn't good enough that you could have those moments in games where he is the fulcrum and the big focus of the offense because he just wasn't quite efficient enough as a high usage guy to be able to carry that over long periods of time. Kawhi is that and he will get to the point where he can carry the team for for stretches. It's still kind of getting to that point, but it's been uh, it's been really remarkable nonetheless to to sort of watch him fit into the team really well because I mean. They're 17 and four. The Raptors are, and they haven't even really played that well, or as well as they're capable of. As crazy as that sounds, they have had this thing where they keep giving up big leads. Like they will be up 15 to 20 points on a team, and then like all of a sudden it's down to four or five points, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess they have to try for this one. And they'll, they'll usually pull it out. It's rare that they've lost games, obviously this year, but they've had a they've had a bit of a, tr- a bit of trouble kind of keeping the foot on the gas and. They've been hurt a lot, and Kawhi, again, has rested six games so far or missed a couple with an ankle injury. So it's there's still a lot of room to grow, which is kind of terrifying to think about. Yeah, that you, all you all of, the, all of the things you just described are a lot of the things the Grizzlies go through. They rely on Mike Conley sometimes almost to a fault, you know, because, because he's a guy that can go, out, can go out and get you buckets. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy that, just like Kawhi, you know, although Kawhi's a better player, uh, he's a guy that can go out and get you get you points, and almost so fault, and, and they have lost games because of this. Um, you, you can look at the game against the Knicks on Sunday night, where Mike played nine thirty nine minutes and was literally just gassed because he, he was just so tired. And the Knicks knew exactly what the Grizzlies were going to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to Mike Conley, and he was going to try to make something happen. Um, and so you know they, they do the same thing; they give up big leads. Um, and then for the Grizzlies, unfortunately for them, they not. Haven't always been able to pull them out. Happened in the Suns game. Happened in the Clippers game. Happened in the Knicks game. All the games they, they should have won. Uh, but they gave up big leaps either early in the game or at the third quarter. And, you know, we're having to look to claw their way back. And it just didn't work out for them. So mm-hmm. it seems like when you said earlier that they're, they're uh, kind of a doppelganger of the, of the West and the East, it seems like you're describing exactly the Grizzlies exactly almost to a T. But, you know, it, it seems that. For them, it haven't really worked out for them uh, as far as wins and losses, but they're doing the same kind of type things, you know, relying on Mike Conley. And then you know, the defense is going to be there. The offense kind of just stalls sometimes. And they, they, you know, it's almost like they just lose focus at times mm-hmm. and let teams get back into it. Um, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's very strange. Uh, it's very strange, especially in third quarters. It's just something they just kind of start coasting. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately for them, it doesn't really work out as much as it has for the Raptors. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Grizzlies roster and, like, it doesn't seem like it has the amount of, like, overflowing talent that they can kind of get by on their laurels, right? And, like, that's the thing with the Raptors is, like, they're so deep that, and Kawhi, and their top lineups are so effective that they can still get away with stretches of the game where they don't particularly play very well, as maddening as it is. Whereas with the Grizzlies, I mean... 
I guess my biggest question with this is how real do you think this start is? Because I love Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol, and like it's insane that people bet against them. And I probably was an idiot for doing that too to start the year. You know, a little part of my brain is always like, why are you betting against the Grizzlies? They have Conley and Gasol, and they're going to win 48 games at minimum just having those two on the court. But then you look at the rest of the roster, and it's like Marshawn Brooks is out there, and Wayne Selden, and Chandler Parsons is still like kind of hanging around, or his corpse at least is kind of hanging around. You got Omri Caspi kicking around. Like, it feels like a strange roster without much in the way of creation beyond the top two guys. And I'm curious what you think about, like, how sustainable it is. Because, like, if anything happens to Conley and Gasol, it feels like there's going to be trouble coming for this team. Just because there's so so little in the way of, like, organic shot creation and just sort of, like, popped talent that really pops. But... I don't know, like, are they doing something? Is there something going on with one of these other guys that we're miss- that I'm missing when I look at the roster? Yeah, uh, his name is Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. That is really, <laughs> that, that's, your, that's your third guy. I mean, you you, you have Mark and Mike, and, and, you know, you mentioned Marshawn Brooks, guys like Marshawn Brooks, Wayne Seldon, Chandler Martins, guys you thought were going to be the scoring off the bench or the second unit. Really haven't largely penned out, and it doesn't surprise me. Chandler Hart, Chandler Parsons has been hurt. Uh, Marshall Brooks was guys been playing in China for four years, so if you thought he was going to be good, that's obviously there's a reason he's over there. Uh, Wade Seldon hasn't really even played basketball; he was hurt much of last year, um, and before that, he was claimed off of waivers. So you know, yes, you're right. You know, beyond Mark and Mike, there's not a lot there, but they're sitting out there is Jaron Jr., who is a very He's a very special player, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't even realize how good he really he really is. Um, he's very good getting from the perimeter to the bucket, uh, taking people off the dribble. And so the coaching staff is going to really, you know, that's kind of the thing right now is the coaching staff has to really find a way to get get those guys or get those guys to involve Jaron with the offense more. Mm-hmm. Maybe not running plays for him specifically, but at least putting him in better position to score the basketball because. You know, like you said, beyond Mark and Mike, there's a whole lot of scoring there. Um, and they've got – that's that's their biggest challenge right now is, is they've got to find a way to get Mike Conley help, either via Jaron Jackson, you know, putting him in more uh, – in better sets, putting him in the pick and roll, or going out and possibly getting, uh, you know, wing, a secondary wing playmaker via trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's something that, that – that is their biggest deficiency. And so I, I, think, I think that it's sustainable – because the defense is so good sometimes. Yeah. Um, it, it really is. And it, it's, it's impressively good sometimes. And so I think it's sustainable, but long term, I think you, you, if you want to actually make it make it dent in the playoffs, you have to find a way to get secondary scoring. And that's, that's their big issue. Yeah, they almost remind me of like a journeyman, less talented version of the Celtics in that, like, off the bench, none of these guys are going to blow you away by any means, but the defense that they all bring, like having a defense that's number two in the league, that just, there's inherently going to be a floor when you're that good. And, you know, we've seen like both, they're kind of mirror teams in their numbers this season, Boston and Memphis. Like Memphis has the, what, eighth worst offense in the league. Boston's got the fourth worst offense. But their defenses are so prolific that you get, there's just always going to be a baseline there. And especially in the regular season, like, and in a regular season where very few teams seem like they really give a damn about playing defense, I can imagine like coming across those teams on a random Wednesday night. It must just be so grinding to be like, oh, like really, we gotta play against like Garrett Temple and Wayne Selden, like really trying on defense against us. That seems miserable to me. So that's not entirely surprising. And Jaron Jackson, you're totally right. Like that dude, I'm, I. 
there's always these guys in the draft where people are like, oh man, they're going to obviously be, re- be really good. And then they somehow go like fourth or seventh or something. And it's like, why, why wouldn't they go higher if they're so obviously good? And like Jaron Jackson just seemed like a perfect, like modern NBA big, right? Like so far this year, he's averaging 13, five and one and a half assists already, which is kind of encouraging and exciting. And then you got the 1.1 steals and 2.2 blocks in just 25 minutes. And he's already shooting 35% from three, and he's over 50% from the from the field. Like, that is all very encouraging stuff from a dude who's, like, 19 years old. So I, I have high hopes for him. And yeah. the Grizzlies, I mean, they're a the kind of team that, like, I'm glad when they get a good player, when they score a good player, because it's not often that, like, they're going to, like, land a free agent or anything like that. And when they do, it's often the husk of Chandler Parsons or someone like that. But, yeah, Jaron Jackson's awesome, and I'm really glad he ended up in Memphis for sure. You mentioned Jaron Jackson Jr., and... One of the things that you mentioned that he's doing is he's doing these things not even a, a focal point of the offense, so mm-hmm. which is really really impressive. Like you know, he's he's just being out. That's just him being out on the floor. Like he had seven blocks against the Knicks on Sunday night. I mean, just just really really special stuff. So it's kind of scary to think what happens when he's actually a focal point of the offense, what he's able to do. But um, I did want I, you know how fun is it for you guys to be able to go out and watch this team, these Raptors who were good last year, but. If you guys are on pace to be even better this year, like you know, how fun? A, how fun is it to watch? And do you think you guys can compete with the Golden States of the world at the end of the, at the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely fun to watch, like, the other teams in the league and, like, melt down for sure. And when the Warriors are having all this internal strife, there's definitely a party that's like, hey, like, maybe this makes this 0.5% more likely that the Raptors could beat the Warriors in a finals because, yeah, like, watching this Raptors team is a delight. They are just so insanely talented and just... It, it's also kind of annoying because in a regular year where there's no Warriors, there's no team that has four players who are ranked in the top 15 to 20 in the league... They're probably like a very legitimate title team, maybe a title favorite in most normal years, but this is not a normal era of the NBA, so that kind of throws off the calculus of everything. But yeah, they're, they're just considering how I think I don't want to say it was stale because I still really enjoyed the old teams, and I like I was totally on team run it back and was happy to bring Demar Derozan back again and Dwayne Casey even this season. Um, you know, barring the opportunity to get a superstar, which they ended up doing, even though I said on my very podcast, like, there's no way the Raptors are getting Kawhi Leonard, so stop asking me questions about it. I said those exact words. And, like, so I didn't think this was likely to happen. And the fact that it's happened, and now the Raptors have a guy who they've always been kind of looking for, who has been, you know, just a... Just, having that superstar, it's... It just changes your world, right? And changes the way that you can think about and look at your team. Like, they've always been the team that's a runner-up to the team with the superstar in LeBron James, right? So, for them to have that guy now who might be the best player in the conference, maybe second best behind Giannis, we'll see what happens when Kawhi really gets fully going here. But it, it just kind of changes your outlook and changes the, the the possibilities that you think can kind of take place. And, yeah, like... Would the Raptors beat the Warriors in a series? Probably not. Like, if you look at it and you're being reasonable about it, you'd say the Raptors are well-suited to match up against them. They actually play the Warriors. Their next game after Memphis is Thursday against the Warriors at home. Uh, I don't know if Steph Curry's going to play for that game, so it might not be a perfect sort of barometer of where the Raptors are at, but... If you're trying to construct a team to beat the Warriors, which think about last year with with the Houston Rockets. They built their team entirely around playing against the Warriors. 
you'd be kind of happy with what the Raptors have, right? There's an elite wing in, Ka- in Kawhi Leonard who starts that sort of collection of wings that, you know, you can have out there, you can have them play the 2-3-4, or the 3-4-5, or 1-2-3-4-5 if you really want to get weird. The Raptors have the personnel to match what the Warriors do switching-wise and, and just sort of length-wise. They don't have the talent, that's for sure. Like, the, the Kawhi Leonard's amazing, but he's at best the second-best player in that series and probably third if you're, you're going to put him behind Kevin Durant and, and Steph Curry. That's an interesting conversation to have for sure. Um, but, like, you're still at a talent disadvantage, but at least the way they're constructed is in the sort of vein of a team that is going to have a real chance against the Warriors like the Rockets did last year where there is just like elite shot creation in the form of Kawhi Leonard. Kyle Lowry is maybe not the perfect point guard to go up against that team, but he's also had really good games against the Warriors throughout his career. Him and Steph Curry have had some real battles that have been super fun. So maybe you're happy with him there as your point guard. He can't really defend as he's going to be a a liability if he gets switched on to guys, but you deal with that when you come to it and you're happy you have Kyle Lowry on your team because he is very good defensively while also being an elite offensive point guard and kind of has the same effect on defenses that Steph Curry does when it comes to sort of changing the shape of the defense and whatnot. So... Yeah, I don't think it's likely per se. Do they win any games in a series? I think probably, yeah. I think it's probably like a five or six game series if the Raptors take on the Warriors. But like, as the season goes on, we'll see. Do the Warriors hate each other by the end of the year? Are their guys hurt? Is Steph Curry still dealing with injury issues? These are all things that could crop up. And the Raptors are just in one of those few spots, one of those few driver's seat spots where if something does go wrong with the Warriors, they're one of the teams that can really take advantage of that. So yeah, it's it's a different sort of level and a plateau that, that they've never really been on before, but it's super fun and interesting to watch in a way that the last few years, while they were exciting and they won a lot of games, they never quite had the same possibilities at the end of the day. So my last question for you, Sean, is uh, obviously not Grizzlies are not going to stop Kawhi, you know, really, or slow down probably Kyle Lowry. But um, what, who's the secondary kind of scorer on this team that, uh, or, or two or three secondary scores for the team the Grizzlies need to try and try and limit to go to win this matchup against the Raptors? Yeah, it's uh, that's the thing about the Raptors is that yes, they have Kyle and Kawhi, which is like a really nice duo to have, but they have a lot of other scorers who are capable of having big nights, and I guess. The main guy right now, over the last little while here, has been Pascal Siakam. He has been just a revelation. He's been outstanding. The last 15 games, he's averaging 17 points, 7 boards, 2.5 assists, and like 1.5 steals on 69% true shooting. He has been just out of this world, and he's kind of taken that leap that... I think a lot of Raptors fans kind of hope that he might this year, but it's just the way, the, the quickness with which has happened, where he's gone from being... You know, a nice bench piece last season who had a lot of potential and had some nice moments to just being like a, you know, a staple part of the offense and probably the third best player on the team when you sort of look at it, you know, holistically from all the different skills that these guys bring. You know, it's been just so much faster than anyone could have expected. So there's that. Pascal Siakam is hard to guard. I'm curious to see how him and Jaron Jackson will match up because I'm assuming that'll be the matchup. And Siakam's had a really easy time this season so far in certain matchups where he'll size a guy up and be able to pull off his patented spin move. And he just he seems to hit every single shot when he pulls this off. And I, I don't think Jackson is going to be one of the easier guys for him to do that against. He's done it a lot against, um, to, to, put, to be frank about it, Euro, European white bigs. He has really had a, had a time with so far this season. Uh, Jason Tatum as well he had a really easy time with. And like pretty much everybody of late, he's been kind of taking it to them. So the, the Jaron Jackson, considering how good of a defender he is, considering how long he is, his shot-blocking acumen, I, I'm excited to see what he has 
you know, as sort of a counter to Pascal Siakam's spin move, which has become one of the more deadly moves in the entire league from any player, really. Um, like, there are whole mixtapes right now of his spin move, and it seems like he scores every time he busts it out. So Siakam's a guy, and then, you know, depending who the Raptors start at center, which could go either way, it could be Serge Ibaka or Jonas Valanciunas. The Raptors have switched it up pretty significantly this season where they're not running with the same starting five every game. They're pretty much just playing the matchups when it comes to their centers. And against Marcus Gasol, it's one of those kind of in-between guys because they've typically gone Serge Ibaka against sort of smaller, more athletic, more shooting-focused centers and Jonas Valanciunas up against bigger, more bruising guys like Andre Drummond, for example, or last night Hassan Whiteside when they played the Heat. But against Marcus Gasol, it could go either way, really. And I'm not sure exactly how they're going to go there. Do you want the strength and sort of rebound ability of Jonas up against Marcus Gasol, or do you want Serge Ibaka's ability to kind of stretch him out and get out to the perimeter if Gasol's going to go hang out and shoot threes? It's really interesting to me to see how that's all going to play out. So I don't exactly know what we'll see there, but those two guys have been excellent offensive players so far, and a lot of it has been tied to Kyle Lowry, who is leading the league in assists right now, and most of his assists just happen to be like easy pick-and-roll assists to those two guys, and they are just feasting with Kyle Lowry kind of being their supply line, and I'm curious to see how that's going to work. You know, Memphis is a fantastic defensive team. They have the length to break up a lot of pick-and-rolls. I'm curious to see how that's going to be. This should be a fun matchup for the Raptors, who haven't really played that many amazing defenses so far, um, but when they have like they've still been able to score pretty much whenever they want to whether it's Philadelphia or, or Boston that this Memphis team should provide a really nice test because their length could be something that disrupts sort of what's been their staple play so far which is the Lowry and insert big here pick and roll well so one last question I have for you before we wrap this thing up then I guess is uh kind of a coaching question you know JP Bickerstaff has kind of become like the butt of a lot of jokes in that people just assume he's the interim guy who takes over when someone gets fired and then leaves and parts ways at the end of the season but the Grizzlies decided to bring him back this season and it seems to be kind of you know paying dividends right now what is your sort of take on JB Bickerstaff as a coach and like are you happy he's back were you excited about the decision to, re- to have him return at the be- at the beginning of the season like what's kind of been the response to Bickerstaff and how has he put his imprint on the team that maybe we thought he was never going to be able to do as an interim coach yeah you know they didn't really have a, a, a true coaching search I think that was probably my biggest gripe with it is they didn't go out and actually you know have a coaching search look for a guy and then settle on JB they just said okay we got JB uh, he was the interim coach, and we'll just keep him, uh, which is fine. You know, I like JB; he's a good dude. But um, you know, when you're trying to, when you're a team like the Grizzlies have been a revolving door coaches uh, with Dave Yeager and uh, Fisdale, you know, you want to make sure that you get a, a good coach for the time being. And it seems so that you know, it seems like JB's been able to do that. You know, but he's been able to seemingly put his mark on this team. Now, uh, you know. I sing the praises of last week because they were playing so well, but, you know, the past couple of games, including the Clippers games, the lineups have been just very bizarre. You know, I think mm-hmm. like I mentioned earlier, he's got to find a way to get Jaron Jackson involved in this offense. He's got to find a way to get Kyle Anderson more involved in the offense. Um, he certainly got a long way to go. Are we happy? Am I happy with what, what we have right now? Sure. But I think he's got a long way to go. Uh, he's got a lot to learn. J.P. Bickerstaff has to find a way to make changes on the fly to be able to, uh, show really show his coaching prowess, be able to uh, make make changes and make his team better. Something that uh, really will you know kind of rear its head in the playoffs when you play a team for seven games. Uh, when you you have to make changes, little changes here and there, to make your team better to be able to beat you know, beat the other team in that playoff series. 
So that's something that, he, that I think he really needs to work on. But, yeah, we're happy with what we got now, but I think he's still got a long way to go. Fair enough. Uh, Mark, man, this was this was great. It was great checking with, checking in with you. It's great that you're on the network now. Happy to have you as the host of Locked on Grizzlies. Uh, where, I guess people, is, you know, you know where to find us. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Locked on Raptors, Locked on Grizzlies, as well as Locked on NBA, all the different shows in the network. Make sure you're leaving ratings and reviews. Uh, Mark, where do people find you on the internet? Yeah, so make sure you guys follow our show at, like I said, at Locked on Grizz. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at King underscore producer. And, uh, yeah, just talk Grizzlies. And I appreciate you guys you coming on and talking uh, Grizzlies-Raptors with me. Yeah, man, Grizzlies-Raptors, like I said off the top, always fun. It reminds me of the Vancouver Grizzlies. Makes me sad a little bit, but I, I'm glad Memphis has a team. They are a team that I, I always kind of have a soft spot in my heart for. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can, again, iTunes uh, at Locked on Raptors on Twitter for all the links to the shows. It's uh, very much appreciated if you leave ratings and reviews as well. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for coming on, man. This was great, and we will talk to you, uh, I, I guess, when the Raptors and Grizzlies play again down the line. Yeah, man, we'll do it again soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 